It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Sandy Rios with you. That's the way it sounds in Afghanistan. That's the way they celebrate. They pull out their guns and they kill people and they shoot into the sky. So that's what's happening right there. We know that they're uh, going from door to door slaughtering people, which is exactly what we knew they would do. And yet they're, um, you know, they're helping us. That's what the administration, Joe Biden's administration, keeps telling us. I have to say, I had to think of, uh, I thought of that comment by uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, back uh, after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, when he says, this is a day which shall live in infamy. Well, this is a day, August the 31st of 2021, which shall live in infamy, infamy for Joe Biden, for the left, for Americans who were too lazy, who were thoughtless about who they elected, who allowed uh, this man and his crew to take back the White House and look at the damage that they have done. Uh, I just, um, there's a lot to say, and I'm going to get it in very quickly because we have a special guest and another important topic. But I think the headline kind of uh, says what really is on my heart. Hundreds of Americans still in Afghanistan after the last military flight. They pulled out. You know that's true, and I'm, there are a lot of details I'm not going to give you because I'm trusting that you're watching the news. American planes have all left. Everybody's gone, all the American military, but not Americans. No, 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 no. There are several hundred, and according to some sources, more than that, uh, that are left behind. We also know, because of the the Politico, of all places, is reporting that the United States, the commanders there, the Joe Biden administration, Joe Biden's Pentagon, knew in advance about that attack at the airport that killed those 13 Marines. They knew it in advance. Uh, there is uh, more nightmare stories to, uh, that I want to tell you, but 90 retired flag officers are calling on uh, Lloyd Austin and uh, uh, General Milley to resign immediately. If they did not do everything within their authority to stop the hasty withdrawal, they should resign. There's more to that letter, but that at least it gives you the idea. And then one last thing, because you won't be hearing this today. You can watch the news, and I want you to, to find out some of the details, but this is something that you wouldn't know. Mary Beth Long is a former Department of Defense official uh, that I'm acquainted with, and she has been giving a lot of inside information. And she says the following, a private airplane that was flying into Hamid Karzai International Airport in Kabul to rescue stranded American citizens and Afghan allies allegedly was told to turn back or they would be shot down. In the last 24 hours, this is before Last night, when they pulled out, American officials in charge of giving clearance at the airport told fellow Americans they would be fired upon if they didn't leave. And so uh, some American citizens, Mary Beth says, have made the perilous journey to the airport four times 
only to be turned away at the gate each time. In fact, Nicole G., she was one of the Marines that was killed. Uh, she was known as a sneaking, known for sneaking Americans in the gate. Uh, other Americans guarding the gates have PTSD, she said, from being forced to block the entrance of the airport from American citizens desperate to flee the country, knowing that they face almost certain death at the hands of the Taliban if they don't get out. Uh, Mary Beth said that she has fielded calls from crying Marines who said the situation at the airport was more stressful to them than any of the hard combat they've experienced in war-torn in the war-torn country. You know, I there's a lot to say. Uh, we'll if I in the last segment, I will try to come back to this. But the article is called "Biden Officials at Kabul Airport Warned Americans They Might Be Shot," and it's written by Deborah Hine, and it's in American Greatness. And we'll come back to that. But this, these are the behind-the-scenes story. This is a day that shall live in infamy. And this is a day when we will remark this as the day that began the official, um, boy, I have to watch my words carefully. If ever there were going to be a decline in America, a permanent decline, this would be the day you'd look for. This would be the date. This would be the lowest point uh, possible where the Afghanis, the Taliban is in there. They're flying Apache helicopters around in Kabul. They're going into airport hangars, putting on the uniforms of Americans. They're taking over this $85 million worth of equipment, uh, and they are plotting. Osama bin Laden's uh, first-in-command, they showed there's a big video of him pulling back into Kabul, celebrating. Uh, and the problem is the terrorists of the world, the Islamic terrorists, will descend on Afghanistan, and the terrorists of the rest of the world, uh, the Islamic terrorists, certainly will be emboldened. They feel that God, Allah, has granted them favor. They feel more emboldened, and so it is a disaster on every count, an absolute disaster. Meanwhile, I can't help but be reminded that last week, Michael Hayden, who was the CIA director under uh, uh, Barack Obama, uh, issued a tweet in which he showed the Taliban driving down a road, and then he compared it to Trump supporters with the American flags, driving down a road with their uh, uh, flags. And he says, um, you know, this is our Taliban. This is their Taliban, and this is our Taliban, which shows you in living color why we are at the place that we're at. In fact, some of those Trump supporters have been languishing in a D.C. jail now for months. And I've talked to you about it so often, but there's been so much news we haven't talked about it recently, and we must. I've asked Matt Brainerd to come back and talk to us. He's with Look Ahead America. And uh, he's, uh, this is an issue that's been the focus of his for, for months now. Uh, so, Matt, first of all, just thank you for joining us this morning. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to join you. There's a couple of big stories that I actually haven't even told. I can't believe I haven't reported this to my audience. And one of them is, uh, I did mention it, I think, in passing, but the FBI now has officially said that they can't find any evidence that the U.S. Capitol attack was coordinated. Uh, just your thoughts about that, Matt. Embellish and tell us what you think that means. I think it's a pretty surprising announcement. Uh, but I guess uh, that sort of has to come out because when you look at all the charges that the Department of Justice is throwing against this, these patriots, very few of whom committed any violence whatsoever or damaged any property or did anything that uh, would merit their treatment, none of them are getting charged with conspiracy. And uh, the questions have been raised uh, about whether the people who were engaged in conspiracy, those that were, whether or not those were FBI agents or uh, FBI informants. 
who are trying to uh, entrap people into committing crimes on that day, just as we've seen them do uh, in the uh, Michigan you know, alleged kidnapping plot of uh, Governor Whitmire. So they can't bring any conspiracy charges. So that that's really, uh, it causes a problem for them because the, the whole the whole narrative ever since January 6th has been, it's been a massive conspiracy, an insurrection, a threat to the country, a threat to our democracy, et cetera, rather than what it really was, was you know, a few frustrated people that put hands on cops that should have not, and then hundreds of others who just walked into a building, in many cases through doors held open by Capitol Police, and exercised their First Amendment rights uh, legally and left. And yet they're being treated like the, like domestic terrorists. You know, Matt, the thing that strikes me here is, you know if there were anything, anything they could find to link President Trump or Trump supporters to some sort of a conspiracy to overtake the government, they would find it, any excuse. The fact that they actually came out and publicly said they can't find any evidence that it was coordinated is stunning. It reminds me, you remember when Sarah Palin was, uh, they they came after her with a vengeance, they, whoever they are, uh, the press certainly helped. Uh, they came after her like rabid dogs. And remember that they went through all of her email, thousands and thousands of email, but they couldn't find anything. Uh, this reminds me of that. It's uh, a desperate, desperate to find something. And if they are inclined, they can find almost anything on anyone or spin it the way they want. And the fact that they can't is stunning information. Right. And, and remember, those were hacked emails. And I thought we were not allowed to report on or share information from hacked sources. Wasn't that what happened at the in the 2020 mm-hmm. general election when yeah. the, the data that was not hacked at all from, from Joe Biden's son uh, was released? Uh, but, you know, that's part of it is, okay, they, they now can't claim that there are any conspiracies. But on the other hand, they're also sitting on 14,000 hours of footage from, and it was just eight hours of footage, you know, an eight, eight-hour time period where this took place. They're not releasing it. And again, why are they not releasing it? Look, everything that's happening on President Biden's domestic agenda, whether it's fighting for CRT or getting rid of patriots in the military or declaring that the greatest threat to our country is white supremacy, all of it is premised on the idea of there being an insurrection on January 6th. So that's part of why they've got to go so hard after these innocent patriotic Americans and turn them into criminals and keep them in solitary lockup for 23 hours a day for nine months without being convicted, without the opportunity for bail, without access to medical care, without access to their families or to their attorneys or limited access to their attorneys, not nearly enough, and without the evidence that the government intends to use to prosecute them. I mean, just think about that. The reason they have to keep those people in prison is because they let them out. Well, guess what? Well, maybe there really wasn't an insurrection, you know, because we treat these protesters like we did every other protester that was in the wrong place at the wrong time in the U.S. Capitol building. They'd have been released that day with a $50 fine at worst. Uh, But these these people are being scapegoated to support this phony narrative of there ever being an insurrection. And Look Ahead America has been leading the fight to shine the light on this since January. And we've held, I think, by now about 13, 12 or 13 rallies. And the biggest one we're going to do yet is coming up. It's on September 18th at the U.S. Capitol building at noon that Saturday. All right. So let's talk about that because, okay, that's, I want to repeat it. September 18th at the U.S. Capitol on the West Side. Um, People will Mm -hmm. hear that and say, oh, you know what? I'm nervous about going to D.C. Remember what they did last time when they 
uh, went into everyone's records and, uh, you know, surveilled everything. Even the credit card companies cooperated, and I'm afraid to go. So what do you say to that? Well, this nation will not be saved by cowards. But I can tell you with great confidence that this is the, this would be the third rally we've held in D.C. We held one right in front of the Department of Justice uh, in uh, July. In August, we held one right at the prison where these people are being held. We've been cooperating every day with the Capitol Police because this is a First Amendment activity uh, and we're allowed to do it. And they've actually been, the folks we've worked with in public affairs have been very accommodating. I think we finalized everything today. We actually had to get, the last thing we had to get approved was uh, porta potty. So this is a fairly conventional protest that we're having. And there's actually been quite a few other protests at the Capitol uh, since January 6th without incident. Uh, so this is, you know, we are smart enough not to be incited to do anything we shouldn't by FBI agents. So I'm not really worried <laughs> about anything happening. Oh, every, every Everybody in the D.C. Capitol Police has been uh, recalled. So all their vacations are canceled to keep us safe. Uh, we have our own private security force who do a lot of diplomatic security, and they are coordinating with the Capitol Police. So this is going to be a very secure and safe protest, as all the other ones we've had in D.C. have been, and as all the other, I think, 10 or 11 we've had all across the country have been. So, and the title of your rally is Justice for J6. Is that right? That's right. That's our catchy little hashtag. Each one of our rallies, we've had to give it a um, a special name, sort of a handle for it. So ours is hashtag Justice for J6. Okay. All right. So, um, th- so you're inviting people to the west side of the Capitol on uh, September the. Sorry, I can't read. 18th. 18th. Couldn't read. I wrote so September quickly. 18th, I can't remember. Saturday at. <laughs> It's a, it is at noon, and folks can um, indicate they're coming and get guidance from us at lookaheadamerica.org slash rally. We're asking everybody to leave all of their candidate clothing, candidate flags, partisan stuff at home. Um, that this we're not Today we're not talking about uh, elections or whether or not elections were stolen or who, you know, who should be elected or who your candidate is or what organization you might have an affiliation with that you want to represent. This is solely about the political prisoners, the persecution by our government of hundreds of our fellow citizens about what happened to Ashley Babbitt and the government's cover-up of evidence of what really happened that day and the phony narrative that they've been pushing, that there was an instruction. It's not about anything else. So just bring your American flags, your American T-shirts. And if you want to bring signs on the topic topic of uh, justice for J6, please do, but please nothing else. Okay, let me just add a couple of things. Judicial Watch is all over this, and they're doing their own investigation. Uh, And they, of course, the Capitol Police are resisting. They will not release, again, those video that uh, I think probably are the things that are exonerating, making the FBI have a lot of difficulty uh, charging people with serious crimes or kind of um, conspiracy. Uh, But uh, other groups, like other political groups, have been given those tapes. We know that because they are going after, even now, they're scouring those tapes and finding new people to arrest. So um, the Judicial Watch is after this. They found out, which I'm not sure I've reported this, Matt, so let me quickly say, uh, we know that the for whatever reason, they decided to cremate Ashley Babbitt's body within two days. They've got uh, information in writing on that, Judicial Watch has. Uh, they also sent something, uh, some information that was 
uh, secure to someone in the White House about uh, someone who was in government about Ashley Babbitt. There's a lot of nefarious stuff going on here. They've also uh, tried to are finding information about how the credit card companies turned over information to the the Biden DOJ and what that was all about. There's a lot more, but they're all over this, and I wanted people to know that. Also, one of the guys inside the jail who was inside the jail, jail Douglas Jensen, he was one of the first people arrested. And um, he's, he was in jail through July, and the reason he was in jail, he had a pocket knife. That was his big crime. He really didn't do anything, but he had a cop pocket knife. Well, they've released him, uh, but uh, the judge said that he couldn't watch anything on the Internet. And so he ended up watching Mike Lindell's uh, voter, you know, voter fraud symposium, and now the judge is all over him again. So that's the kind of ridiculousness that we see. He never should have – yeah. He never should have been arrested. He never should have needed bail. He never should have had those restrictions placed on him, which are asinine. You don't lose all of your constitutional rights when you're out on bail uh, to simply listen to something or hear something. Uh, And uh, this is sort of a pattern that we've seen where prosecutors go into court. They tell lies, just blatant lies, lies about, say, cops being killed on January 6th. Judges eat it up, and then the judges get upset with the prosecutors for not asking for a strong enough fine, for not asking for strong enough penalties, which is also, I think, a, a violation of, of their uh, requirement to be fair and fair in, in dealing with these, uh, with these defendants. So the whole justice system has been turned upside down. It makes you doubt whether or not it really is a justice system. Oh, and well, look, yeah, we know, we know there we is can, not. All we can do, go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, I just was going to say, uh, there, we know that there is not, Matt. And Matt, let me just, I want to add something that you'll find interesting. Uh, some of uh, people that I know, we've asked them to write to the prisoners, and the guys will give me the address so I can give it to people. It's Patriot Mail something. Uh, but I want you to hear one of these, and I can only read a tiny part of it in this moment. Uh, but this is one of the guys in jail. He talks about the treatment. I'm not going to read that part. But he said, oh, my, yes, a man has to have a relationship with God to endure this place, this type of world-rending, and the good book has been close at hand. My favorite passage lately was Joshua 1.9, but lately I have been reading about the prisoners, Paul and Peter. I, like in 2 Corinthians chapter 4.8, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not broken, struck down, but not destroyed. Even in the deepest of negatives, we are never abandoned, to total ruin. It may seem as though we are buried, but maybe it is that we have been planted. Letters like yours are treats for the soul and keep a man knowing he has not been forgotten. Oh, it's a beautiful letter. I I don't want to give his name because I don't have permission yet, Uh, but I just wanted to give people an idea. It's patriotmailproject.com is where you can write the prisoners, patriotmailproject.com. And Matt um, Matt is, uh, Matt Brainerd's Rally is September the 18th on the west side of the U.S. Capitol. And so give us the website again, Matt, please. Sure. Lookaheadamerica.org slash rally. Okay. Lookaheadamerica.org slash rally. We'll put that on our Facebook page, too. But it's on September the 18th, west side of the Capitol. Matt Brainerd, thank you. Thank you so much for doing that and for joining us this morning. All right. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
May I tell you about 17-year-old Esther in Africa? Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Esther is only 17. She's part of the famous Maasai tribe in Kenya. It's a country that I visited not too long ago. Girls like Esther, they're subjected to Maasai traditions that are not taught in the Bible, including female circumcision and polygamy where a man has many wives and some younger than Esther are forced into arranged marriages against their will. Now, having endured this mistreatment, Esther lived with bitter unforgiveness until a Bible League volunteer introduced her to the hope of the gospel and now she's led dozens of teen girls and young adult women to Jesus and she's praying for Bibles so they can grow in their walk with Him. And that's exactly why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to bible believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20 Bibles and Friends of Bible League will match every single gift. Call 800-YES-WORD. 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D. 800-YES-WORD or click sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Ava Malona, Assistant Secretary for Partnership and Engagement at the Department of Homeland Security. She advises on the impact of policies, regulations, processes, and actions on a variety of government and non-government organizations. Proverbs 19.20 reminds us of the importance of listening to wise advice. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Ava Malona in her work for Homeland Security. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Join us in prayer during these difficult times in Afghanistan. Free guided prayer points are available now at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. If you're a first responder, you know the right training can make all the difference in a crisis. At Liberty University, we know the right training can make all the difference for your future. So we're proud to offer you a 25% discount on our more than 450 online degree programs. Combine this discount with our generous military benefits if you or your spouse also have military experience. Learn more about getting the right training at Liberty University by texting DEGREE to 49595. That's DEGREE to 49595. Americans are coming to terms with the horror of the terrorist attack on the airport in Kabul. Thirteen American service members were killed. Back home, Americans offered special prayers during church services. Many stood alongside roadways to memorialize the fallen in places like St. Charles, Missouri and Logansport, Indiana. In Germantown, Tennessee, the owner of Marco's Pizza set aside 13 tables for all of the fallen heroes. Same thing happened at the Copper Pig Brewery in Lancaster, New Hampshire. In Carson City, Nevada, 14-year-old Devin Lynham stood outside the family home underneath an American flag. The cadet senior airman for the Nevada Civil Air Patrol then played taps a moving tribute to the brave men and women taken from us by the Muslim terrorist. A solemn reminder that our freedom always comes with a price, a terrible price. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Sandy Rios back with you. One of the benefits of what's happening is perspective. Uh, And I, I think... Could I encourage you to measure everything that comes your way today and maybe even in the future? Uh, Any difficulty you're having, any frustration with your circumstances, 
and consider where people are right now. I'm in Afghanistan. I think about all of those people who have been left behind, uh, who are hearing those gunshots, and it's not just a video clip. They're hearing it. Uh, They're huddled in their homes. They probably can't even get food or get out. Uh, They are afraid for their children, their wives. They are facing horror, and many of them are, are Americans. And if that's not your situation today, then I have to say to you and to myself, you have no reason to grumble. But you must remember, we elected this president. Uh, They stole the election. I believe they stole it. Nevertheless, many of you did support him. You told us he had a great smile. He was the moderate Democrat. Not hardly. And you were so offended by Donald Trump's tweets. And he said mean things about people. The the lack of discernment and thinking uh, that caused this disaster is just infuriating to me. And I realize it's offensive. I don't I really don't care because look what's happened. Many of us knew exactly what was going to happen because we knew who Joe Biden was and who he was going to bring into his uh, administration with him. I, I don't think I expected it to happen this fast, but it is just a nightmare. And we may never recover from this nightmare. But you don't have the mean tweets. And you don't have, you know, President Trump calling people names. You did have him making the country safe. You did have him defending life and defending the military and pushing back all of these things that uh, Barack Obama had done. You did have him do that, protecting businesses and small businesses and the middle class. You did have that. But in between were those mean tweets. It was embarrassing to some of you. And so I'm not saying you rejoice in everything he said, but it's perspective. It's perspective. And so we have gotten ourselves in such a hole that I'm not sure we can pull out. But of course, the hole was dug with the help of a lot of different characters. And one of them was social media. And no one understands what social media has done to get us into this current situation. Again, I tell you, this day is that day which shall live in infamy. It is. This day will live in infamy for Joe Biden and his administration and for this country because we'll all bear it. We will all bear the shame and disgrace and uh, carry the marks uh, of uh, the dismantling of this wonderful country. And I say this this date is going to be one they're going to look on as one of those markers. Dan Gaynor is the vice president of Free Speech America uh, for the Media Research Center. And uh, Dan, first of all, as a friend, I've known you for such a long time. Good morning. And I'm glad you joined me this morning. Thank you. Good morning, and thank you. And if we're going to be carrying a mark, I think it's the mark of Cain. You know, we're abandoning our brothers to to abuse, uh, abandoning women to to be enslaved or raped, and abandoning you know many Americans. I'm you know this, the war did not end yesterday. It's a fantasy that the media pushed out there that the war oh the war is over. No, it's not. The war is not over until all Americans are free. You know there there are. But at the bare minimum, there are a few hundred Americans there, and I honestly don't believe the numbers because the numbers don't add up. No. Uh, if you go by the recent estimates, you know they said, "Oh, there's ten to fifteen thousand Americans in there," and then you look at how many they got out, and you know that doesn't add up to only a couple hundred who still are in uh, Afghanistan. And I've also got uh, a friend of mine who's over there doing journalism, putting you know my friend's life at risk. Uh, I won't say any more in detail because 
you know, you never know who's listening. But you know, it's a it's a nightmare. And you're right. This all brought to us uh, in large part uh, by social media. And uh, I, I know for people, if you don't spend any time on Facebook or Twitter uh, or YouTube or whatever, you, know, you oh, why is that? How how is that happening? These are the most influential platforms for media, much more so than traditional news, because they help form traditional news. The journalists who do... Hey Dan, Dan, I'm going to interrupt you. Dan, I need to interrupt you because your voice, it, your phone line is cutting out. Can you oh, uh, guys sort that out weird. just for a second? Can you hear me now? Yeah, uh, yes. Well, I think so. Uh, can you pick up where you left off, and we'll let yeah, you know. Yeah, well, because the, the, the media, the media who embrace uh, uh, social media do so, and then influence everything that we see. So if you go on Twitter, you can see how liberal so many of these people in the press are. You can see uh, who they follow, who they interact with. And so, you know, that, that is what led us to the election. And up to that, up till, you know, the presidential election 2020, Donald Trump was a major social media star. And so he was able to push back. And then the social media companies got involved. They banned the New York Post story, they uh, you know, silenced opposition and helped get Joe Biden elected. Well, although, and, let's just break it down. Just to remember even in more detail, they kicked President Trump off of Facebook and, then, and Twitter and, all, yeah. and others. And actually, did you see this article? I'm sure you did, uh, that Zach Vorheis reports. He's a former Google uh, engineer. And uh, he talks about, I think he's been talking about this, but it seems even more relevant now, that the Google rewrote the algorithms to target President Trump. So all the, the bad stories about him from everywhere were the ones that came up first in the search. Uh, so they all did their part to destroy him, all the social media yeah, platforms. And, and for people, and people hear the word algorithms. It's simply a little computer program written by a human being. So when, you're, when the algorithm, when the computer program shows you what you search for on Google, most people don't go past the first page. Most people don't even click on everything on on all the things. They just look at the results. Just glance at them. So if you were, you know, if you didn't have an opinion on the election, whether it was for Congress or for Senate or for the presidency, you would Google the different people. And you know, what Dr. Robert Epstein uh, showed was that, you know, basically that can alter your political opinion simply by who you Google. So if you Google and all you find is negative stuff uh, about Donald Trump and positive stuff about Joe Biden, you're voting for Joe Biden. Exactly. And then, so, so then the media, you know, then the social media companies suppressed the Hunter Biden story, uh, suppressed as in they literally banned you from sharing it. They shut down the New York Post Twitter account for, I think it was 17 days. You know, that, that has a huge influence. A lot, of, a lot of Biden voters didn't know about that story, they didn't know about some of the good things that Donald Trump had done because the, the social media and regular media suppressed that. And then, as you said, then they banned Trump, but they banned so many pro-Trump voices because after Trump won in 2016, largely on the back of social media, they spent every day since, from that day to now, trying to prevent it from ever happening again. And so these, these companies are actively involved in our politics every single day. 
You know, the other thing, too, that strikes me, Dan, uh, people would say, I'm sure, uh, that it was the COVID outbreak that was like the nail in the coffin. I, I, I Now, look, I, I believe Donald Trump won the election, so I think you have to be careful how you say these things. Uh, but uh, f- before, for all the millions of people that did vote for Joe Biden when he was in his basin, basement, so inept and so so unable to even express himself, it's shocking that they did that. Uh, but part of it was because uh, the COVID, um, whatever virus came and it shut everything down and the social media would not allow any alternative voices to express what the truth was on that. So the, the Anthony Fauci version, uh, which was coming out of the White House, like Alex Berenson was on uh, Tucker Carlson last night. He's been banned from Twitter completely. Alex is one of the <clears throat> most honest voices on what the truth is about the COVID outbreak. So they actually banned any counter narratives to that too, Dan, which I think contributed. Well, yeah, and the number of, I think the number one thing that we've seen banned in the last, in the last year or so has been COVID stuff. So the social media companies have set themselves up to be arbiters of truth. And then they've hired these so-called fact-checking organizations to also be arbiters of truth. And we've worked with more than 40 conservative organizations to send a letter to uh, the International Fact-Checking Network. That's this group that runs it, that runs all the fact-checking, and demand that one of them, the one that they run, PolitiFact, be delisted because it's so leftist and political. Uh, and so, I mean, that that is part of the problem. But the, uh, you know, you'll you'll see an organization like the New York Times. New York Times can criticize the institutions that these companies rely on for uh, their medical information. So it wrote a piece at the end of the 2020, uh, blasting the World Health Organization. Now, if you and I wrote a piece blasting the World Health Organization, we get suspended. They wrote a piece correctly pointing out that the the World Health Organization's whole idea of keeping open borders during a pandemic has no foundation in science whatsoever. So when they run it, it's okay. But when but anybody else criticizes them, and Alec Berenson, whether you whether you agree with him or not, he's a former New York Times investigative reporter. Yes. Right. So so I mean you know what well, he's like the, when you he's like the wrong kind of black man. Like it's <laughs> Alex is the wrong kind of a Jewish New York Times writer, uh, you know, because he counters the narrative of the left. So, yeah, that's, I just had, that just, the irony just hit me. Yeah, you, you can't, you, you're allowed to criticize these organizations when you have the imprimatur of the New York Times, the Washington Post, etc. But what, the second you step away from that, then suddenly everything you do is potentially banned. Conversely, we both know that uh, it was social media that helped the Taliban organize. Uh, can you say a word about that, Dan? Yeah, well, actually, I mean, the Taliban has been organizing for years. And, uh, you know, when, when we invaded, Taliban was very backward. And social media didn't exist. And since then, they've embraced modern technology at least a little bit. And you can see this, frankly, I mean, they've got... Uh, about a half dozen Taliban spokespeople on Twitter who've got more than a million combined followers on Twitter. Now, they haven't been banned. The president of the United States was banned because they didn't like that he called people to the Capitol to, to protest peacefully. He said peacefully. Nevertheless, he's been banned on social media across the board, 10 different social media outlets. But the Taliban is on Twitter. Taliban is on Twitter. Iran, the leader of Iran, the biggest exporter of terror, uh, that Iran, which murdered 600 Americans in Iraq, uh, 
they're they're okay. And so so then apparently the Taliban was using I think it's mostly Telegram, uh, but some other I think know, maybe some other apps. Face, Facebook's WhatsApp, WhatsApp. Yeah, and, is one and thing so, that they used. You know, they, these organizations have figured out, you know, at least on the fringes, how to use modern technology to get their word out. I, I saw major media even wondering if they've got they've got a PR firm. If Taliban have a PR firm, can you imagine working with? Oh yeah, who do you work for? Oh, we work for the Taliban. Like, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but so so the, the social media, I, I mean, at least Facebook has blocked Tal- the Taliban from from Facebook, and then I see major media criticizing that. Yeah, they, it's okay to ban conservatives, but you can't ban murder, rapist, you know, crazy terrorist Taliban people. I, I just don't understand the perspective. They hate us that bad. Well, I just, before you joined me, I was re- recounting how we were called the Taliban. In fact, Arne Duncan, the former Secretary of Education, was talking about how Trump supporters are terrorists. And uh, earlier than that, the former Secretary of uh, uh, the former head of the CIA. Uh, gosh, I just blanked out on his name. But I was just talking about how he showed, you know, on Twitter a couple of, last week, he showed a, a, a group of Taliban on a road with their Taliban flags. And he said, this is their Taliban. Then he showed Trump supporters in their trucks with their American flags. This is our Taliban. That was the former CIA director. So this is what we're up against, Dan. I know that you guys have recently kind of done an analysis, and I don't want to cut into that. Is there anything that you want to share? We just have a few minutes left here. Is there anything beyond what we've said here that you want to make sure people know? Well, I mean, we do a, a quarterly report card of these of these organizations, and it's no longer just free speech. It is every element of your life. I know churches that operate online. I know, you know, the people who do business, kids who go to school. If they can ban us from social media, if they can ban us online, then we're not even second-class citizens. We're like third-class citizens, and that is their goal. And so, I mean, for online freedom, every one of the major social media companies that we rated got an F, you know, for, 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 the, for the idea of online free speech. Just, just, I mean, they're, they're just, it's, a, it's an appalling situation for what was once promised to be freedom, and was for a long time. We did have online freedom. We did have free speech, and it's all been deteriorating since around 2014. So So, if people don't like that, they need to reach out to their politicians. If people find that they've been censored, they need to go to, we've got a website devoted to the censorship called censortrack.org. And there's a form at the bottom of the page. You can submit your entry. Uh, You know, if you've been censored, please do. Dan, 30 seconds. Anything that you would recommend, any social media platforms that you would recommend at this point? Alternatives? Well, there's, a whole bunch of, there's a whole bunch of new ones. Uh, you know, Getter, which is Jason Miller's, there's Gab, there's Parler. There's, you know, you need to be prepared. Rumble, certainly. You need to be prepared for losing whatever social media you currently rely on because sooner or later that's probably going to happen. Yeah. Bit shoot. I always, I think that's a good for for videos and stuff like that. There are alternatives now. Maybe they're not quite replacing things in the same way, but they'll get there if we use them. And so, uh, hey Dan, uh, it's always a pleasure, even on this day of infamy. It's a pleasure to talk to you, Dan Gainer, Media Research Center, censortrack.org, censortrack.org. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
the gospel. What I heard on the radio, you guys have changed my life. Vital information. My kids and I are so thankful for you, and we love your news and everything that y'all give out. God is using American Family Radio to transform American culture. We'd love to hear your story. Call 877-876-8893. That's 877-876-8893. You might hear yourself on the air during our share October 12th, 13th, and 14th. There are some horrendous things that have been taking place. Bishop E.W. Jackson. But, but, the good news is that God is still on the throne. Jesus is still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Tune in to The Awakening, weekdays at noon central on American Family Radio. He said in the world you would have tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And uh, that's the way we've got to approach all this stuff. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Have you ever seen one of those track and field events where the runner starts out in blazing fashion, leading the pack for the majority of the race, only to stumble just before reaching the finish line? Starting the race well and running well are vitally important. But if we don't finish the race well, all else can be overthrown. The Apostle Paul penned those words, having fought the good fight, right on to the end as he faced imminent execution under Nero's sword. Let us all, brothers and sisters, set our courses to finish well. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is good news, maybe exactly when you need it to. Right now, MediShare is waiving their new member fees. This could save you money on top of all that you'll save each month by becoming a member of MediShare. So many people are looking for a healthcare solution right now, seeing the cost of COBRA plans, for instance. And MediShare is the affordable alternative to health insurance. The typical family saves $500 a month, but you might save even more. MediShare is a Christian community that shares each other's health care costs, and because of the current economic situation, they're making it easier than ever. Apply by August 31st, and you can save an additional $170 on your first month. I'll give you the number here in a second, and if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Just tell them the promo code SHARE to receive your additional savings. Maybe now is the time to make the switch, like more than 400,000 people already have and start saving. Here it is. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Providentially, and to the U.S. military's credit, its last evacuation flight from Kabul was able to depart Afghan airspace without incident. Now, the damage assessment must begin, starting with who has been left behind and what the Taliban and other Sharia supremacists will do to them. That assessment must also address how this route came to pass. President Biden deflects blame and is yet to hold any of his subordinates accountable apart from Marine Lieutenant Colonel Stu Scheller, who demanded their accountability and was summarily relieved of his command. The Committee on the Present Danger China is providing its own damage assessment today with a webinar from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time reviewing how the threat posed by the Chinese Communist Party will be affected by Biden's Afghan defeat. Find out what it will mean for you and the rest of us at presentdangerchina.org. This is Frank Gaffney. 
Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All churches will be out by August 31st. Even if Americans and our Afghan allies are still trying to get out, they're going to leave. We're going to do everything in our power to get all Americans out and our allies out. Does that mean troops will stay beyond August 31st if necessary? Depends on where we are and whether we can get ramp these numbers up to five to 7,000 a day coming out. If that's the case, we'll be, they'll all be out. Because we've got like 10 to 15,000 Americans in the country right now, right? And are you committed to making sure that the troops stay until every American who wants to be out yes. is out? Yes. How about our Afghan allies? We have about 80,000 people. Well, who, that's not the Is estimate. that too high? That's too high. How the many? estimate we're giving is somewhere between 50 and 65,000 folks total, counting their families. Does the commitment hold for them as well? The commitment holds to get everyone out that, in fact, we can get out and everyone should come out. And that's the objective. That's what we're doing now. That's the path we're on. And I think we'll get there. So Americans should understand that troops might have to be there beyond August 31st. No, Americans should understand that we're going to try to get it done before August 31st. But if we don't, the troops will stay. If we don't, we'll determine at the time who's left. And? And if there are American forces, if there's American citizens left, we're going to stay till we get them all out. Yeah, or maybe not. That was President Trump with George Stephanopoulos, President Trump, President Biden with George Stephanopoulos, uh, promising that we would get Americans out. But no, we did not get them all out. And the American government, the State Department, or the Defense Department, pick, take your poison, pick your poison. They're both run by horrible people, untrustworthy. <clears throat> anti-American uh, traitors, I think. They handed the names of the people left in Afghanistan who were Americans or working with the Americans to the Taliban, gave them the names. They also, I told you yesterday, they handed out blank visas to those thousands of Afghans who got on the planes, blank visas. That means not an application, but an actual visa, so that they have, you know, they can just do what they want and uh, we're in trouble because last night Tom Tiffany, who is a congressman from uh, Wisconsin, uh, talked about how, well, he talked about Afghans coming to Wisconsin. Let's listen. Clip 15. So we've seen the debacle in Afghanistan, and it appears the Biden administration is going to double down on it by bringing people who are unvetted into our country. I was at Fort McCoy in southwestern Wisconsin last Friday, where there were 2,000 evacuees from Afghanistan. And what we found out is none of them were there on a special immigration visa. They were all there on parole. And for our listeners, um, the special immigration visa is a thorough vetting process that can take up to two years to find out if a person should be coming to the United States. The parole authority is granted to the secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, and he could just wave people in. They have circumvented, the Biden administration has circumvented the SIV process, and they're just bringing people in on parole. Second thing that we saw, Tucker, was that people could leave the base, including without the authority of the general that is overseeing Fort McCoy. This is in Wisconsin. This is in Wisconsin. I read this morning they've also dropped thousands of Afghans in around the Houston area, and I'm not sure where else. I'm sure you'll find out. You'll be telling me. Uh, and they're allowed to wander free in the neighborhoods without restraint. 
And we know that at least one convicted rapist was one of the persons on the plane. And, you know, they, they haven't had time to vet all the people uh, that they're bringing in. And they're going to be putting them in red states. You can take that to the bank. You can take it to the bank. Texas will probably have plenty. Florida will probably, unless Ron DeSantis, you know, finds a way to stop it, they'll be in Florida also. Uh, and, uh, you know, the other red states, uh, Alabama, Mississippi, you name them, you, you're living in many of them. And so uh, this is the state of affairs. So it's not, look, it's not just that we've left Americans behind in Afghanistan, which we have. We've left hundreds and hundreds. And uh, our guest yesterday, former assistant um, defense secretary, said that there were a lot more than that. I don't know. Uh, their names have been released to the Taliban, so they are just waiting to be slaughtered. Don't be surprised. And I'm, this is hard to listen if you've got children uh, maybe you don't want them to listen, but I'm telling you, on September 11th, I bet you, you will see hangings, beheadings. I bet you will see people dragged to the streets, or maybe not. Maybe the networks won't show you that. And you can just watch your favorite sitcom. Uh, but uh, that's what I expect uh, is going to happen. I, the understanding, at least from sources that should know, but who knows, uh, it, it looks as though the Taliban is not quite ready to strike America yet. They're not, they haven't got their act together enough for that. Oh, ISIS is right there with them, too, because they were at Bagram Prison, the leaders of ISIS. Thousands of them were released when we turned over the, that air base. Well, but, you know, General Milley, uh, it was amazing. You know, he, he, was, uh, he thought that was a great idea. And as a matter of fact, this is a clip I didn't ask for. This is clip six. Uh, he just he didn't realize it was going to be so bad. Clip six. There was nothing that I or anyone else saw that indicated a collapse of this army and this government in 11 days. Yeah, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I just, none of it. I mean, it's not my fault. I didn't get a briefing. You know, this, uh, we're shocked that when we closed down Bagram uh, and left uh, air, you know, the air defense for the Afghan military, which their whole training had been based on American, our air power defense, Afghanis maybe flying planes, and they withdrew all of that. But he didn't think about that. He just didn't quite think about that or what it would be if you closed down Bagram and all these people needed to get out, what that might mean, or the fact that your own military personnel needed to have a place to operate. It just didn't, it didn't occur to him. Just, just didn't occur to him. That could be why 90 retired generals and admirals are calling for his resignation. Out. You need to get out. Uh, Millie and Lloyd Austin, you need to get out immediately. You need to resign. That's what they're saying. Oh, of course they won't because, you know, there's no shame on the left. No shame whatsoever. They don't care. I don't know how they sleep at night. I don't. I don't know how Joe Biden, I guess Joe Biden takes medication. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, um, you know, about the rest of them. Uh, in fact, um, Jake Sullivan made a statement that was very telling yesterday about um, about the future of the Taliban and what we might expect. You see, they're trying to spin this as it's a 20-year war and Joe Biden got the troops out and now it's over and we're going to go home and that's it. Well, maybe not so much. Even Jake Sullivan kind of hinted. Uh, I'm sure he didn't mean to do this, but he did. This is clip 11. We have to be attuned to the possibility that uh, ISIS-K or any other group within Afghanistan would look to extend its reach beyond Afghanistan itself. The intelligence community has briefed us over time that their current capability to threaten the homeland is not there, but that is a capability that they are seeking, and we will continue to pay close attention to that. 
But we'll be long gone when that happens, Jake. Uh, Jake, uh, Jake's thinking that, I'm sure. Uh, so uh, it's not now. They can't strike the homeland right now, but they are looking to other capabilities, he says casually. The reason we've been in Afghanistan was because we were able to put the ISIS leaders in prison in Bagram, and that's why we've had peace in the homeland, no beheadings. Oh, but President Trump was a strong leader. And they knew that. And uh, they didn't, they, you know, his mean tweets probably frightened them a little bit. Maybe his, the way he talked about people frightened them a little bit. And so they didn't rear their ugly heads. Uh, but now, you know, he's gone. And we've got a president who has a great smile, you know? Mr. Moderate Joe Biden, who loves abortion. And wait till I tell you what he's up to on Friday in regard to that with fetal tissue and babies uh, dissected. And uh, oh, it's just, it's a lovely story. The Biden administration is all over it, but he doesn't do any mean tweets. So keep that in mind when I talk to you on Friday about what they're doing with babies now, because you don't have any mean tweets, and, and that should be a big relief. Yeah, I would just love to have a conversation with a never-Trumper. I'm not sure I could keep my temper. I'm not sure I could keep my temper. Uh, but um, I want to uh, go back to this article I started with this morning, pretty much in the first segment, was Biden officials at Kabul airport warned Americans they would be shot down and how they thwarted Americans trying to get out and how they ended up saving, oh, I don't know, 100, 000, over 100,000 Afghanis and maybe, what, 4,000, 5,400 U.S. American citizens and 114,000 Afghans. And so American citizens are left behind because they, w- they said that Marines uh, I would, it's been reported that Marines there guarding the gates have PTSD because they were forced to turn away so many American citizens desperate for help. Oh, it's it's a, it's disgraceful. It is a disgraceful. It is a day that shall live in infamy. infamy. And every time you think about it today, just ask God to have mercy on our, our fellow citizens and all the Afghans uh, who are good people who are trying to do the right thing. Ask God to have mercy today. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.